The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Hello, and welcome to Know the Score. I'm your host, Don Delorente. I'm joined this week by That So Jesse. What's going on, Jesse? Hey, Don. How are you doing? I'm good. It's good to talk to you. I want I want to um, you know just say that our thoughts and uh, concerns were with you when Joe Flacco was uh, not so great when he went to go see London Tower and all the sights early in the morning. So you know the only oh, thing I'm, I'm just mad that they had to embarrass me in front of international company. Um, you know, wake me up at nine o'clock and then oh the whole world had to get to see that. No, no. Anywho, yeah. And it was the Jaguars too. And, well, the Jaguars are a lot better. On, well, on defense than they usually are. So, as we saw them beat the Steelers last week, when what's his name only, yeah, Blake Bortles is terrible, but that defense makes them look better than they actually are. Okay, the new Tampa Bay Bucks, huh? Uh-huh. I'm back in the day, I guess. It's got to be like that, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's good to have you on as always. Hopefully, the Ravens will play much better for you this weekend coming up. I hope so. I hope so. It's the Bears, right? Yep. Yeah, it's the Bears. Okay. <laughs> That's what I said about the Jaguars, so I don't even. <laughs> and we're also joined by none other than Tyler Ball. What's going on, Tyler? Hi, guys. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at T.A. Ball, the number one. And, of course, you can follow Jesse at That's So Jesse. Um, interesting week. Actually, a crazy week in sports. You got, um, in addition to the NFL, you've got, uh, the NHL getting off to a hot start. Vegas Golden Knights going 3-0 and to start off the season, the, um, their expansion season. You got uh, Alex Ovechkin scorching the Nets already. Um, oh, jeez, it's, it's nuts. Eight goals in four games. It's, it's ridiculous. And, of course, you got Clemson losing last night in college football. So, uh, And you got the NBA going into its opening week after a crazy offseason. So, um uh, Championship series in baseball, and it's 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 a wild week in sports, man. Yeah, it's just like I said uh, to close the show last week. It's the only time when all the sports are doing something, and they all make news. So there's definitely a lot to talk about. So we'll jump right into it. But before we get right into it, we're gonna let you know that no score can be found on CSPN.us. We can also be found on Twitter at KTS Pod. You can follow me, Don Delarente at Don DeLaRente on Twitter. So next, we're going to have the NFL. Going to start off with a bad week for the Cowboys. Started on Sunday. They left a little bit too much time for Aaron Rodgers to make another comeback in front of the home crowd. This is becoming, you know, just commonplace for Aaron Rodgers in front of Jerry Jones and his billion-dollar stadium, just being disrespectful, Uh, walking off the field yelling, that's what we do, that's what we do as he uh, ripped the hearts out of the Dallas Cowboy fans after, you know, that Prescott took him down the field, made a great drive, great fake on the red zone. Uh, zone read, ran it in, gave the Cowboys the lead, but as I said, too much time. So we'll turn it over to the number one Cowboy fan on this podcast, Mr. Tyler Ball. Tyler, how did it feel to see Aaron Rodgers once again, Deja Video, rip your heart out when a game that you, you played well enough to win in the first half, not so good in the second half, but should have held on and escaped. Um, I'm going to first start to break down with three plays that happened before that drive that uh, 
I almost went completely over it. Uh, let's go to the uh, the offensive series for the Cowboys before uh, that drive. Cowboys reached the red zone. Great drive. Uh, uh, you got three plays that I, I question, uh, particularly on se- second down. Uh, second down, and you got just you're just outside of goal to go, and you try a fade to Des Bryant. Uh, you know, why are you throwing in this situation? Ezekiel just gained six yards on the run. Why are you throwing the football? I know you're, I know the attempt is to score. I get that. But why throw the football? Saves, it saved Green Bay at least 25 seconds and a timeout. Just turns out when Green Bay scored the touchdown to win the game, there were 11 seconds on the clock. I will never understand why teams try to cross folks up. By throwing the football, you get. I see the one-on-one matchup, cool, but you've been driving down the field behind the legs of Ezekiel Elliott. You just got an emotional fir- first down on the fourth and one, uh, thanks to the brilliance of Elliott, who stretched over the goal, who stretched over the first down mark that couldn't even be seen because it was almost uh, they were almost going to take Dallas off the field, but yet you try to throw a fade, so incomplete pass. You, you save Green Bay a timeout, which turned out to be also critical, and you also saved them at least eleven seconds that you didn't run off, that you didn't run off going to the next play. It was ridiculous. Second play on Green Bay's drive, Aaron, and you know, yes, players make plays. The strength of Aaron Rodgers, uh, getting not getting by not one but two sacks uh, when he on a on a critical third down. Uh, Aaron scrambles to his scrambling to his left. Two of your best defensive linemen on the field, Demarcus Lawrence. He runs runs through that tackle. Then David Irving has him one on one. He's not even not even uh, molested. He's not even being blocked. And somehow Irving manages not to get him down. And of course, with everybody in man coverage, uh, Rogers runs for a free uh, seventeen more seventeen yards after that missed tackle. Uh, that changed everything. Plus, he was able to get out of bounds, which went from which can change the game from field goal to uh, to tie the game versus walking off the field with a touchdown. Third play was the touchdown. Brilliant throw can't be you know a brilliant throw will always beat great coverage. Uh, Jordan Lewis, rookie who got beat by Adams. Uh, you know they went to him the day before the play before, and Lewis made a heck of a play finding the football. Uh, so Devontae Adams, give him credit. He said, go back to me. Uh, Rodgers makes the perfect throw, which is a back shoulder fade, which is nearly unstoppable at the goal line because, uh, because the uh, Lewis is playing an inside technique, ball thrown outside. Even if Lewis, Lewis reads the ball perfectly, he can't get his hand over without getting a flag. Perfect throw, perfect play. Same thing when he found Jared Cook the year before. Perfect play, perfect throw. And Green Bay walks out a winner. Um, he's a, he's a bad man. He's yeah. a really 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 bad man. I'm I'm I'm, o- I'm over it because um, Dallas Dal- again. It's another example of prevent you from winning defense. That's what I call the pre- the, the the prevent defense. You're so concerned about being getting beat over the top that you give up a ton of yardage down the field and. Eventually, you're you're putting the offense in the situation that it wants to be, where it controls what the defense calls. I say play straight up, 
play, uh, you know, rush four, rush five, and, and don't be afraid to blitz. Now, on the back end of Dallas this week, we had them, a federal court, uphold the suspension of Zeke Elliott. So now he has to sit out for six games after coming off a heartbreaking loss to Green Bay and a game that he probably had his most consistent game, his best game, his most meaningful game. The plays that he made were very meaningful. Like you said, that that first down on that fourth and one where they had to use the sky cam as the instant replay angle to see that he stretched the ball out while he was laying on top of people. So, Jesse, I'm going to bring you in now. What do you feel about the six-game suspension? Okay, it's, it's upheld. We're going to talk about football terms. Dallas seems like they're struggling. Doesn't look like that Prescott is, you know, he's not playing bad, but he's throwing interceptions now. We're seeing, you know, he's, you know, last couple of games, he's throwing at least one interception. What's the forecast for Dallas? Six games. No Zeke Elliott. Um, as for the, I can see them just not winning a, a game these next six, maybe. Um, the first, they're on a bye next week. I'm pulling up their schedule. Dallas schedule. So they're, they're at least lucky they can kind of get a week to get acclimated oh. at least. Right. So they're on a bye this week, right? So then they have the 49ers, winnable game. Reds, they have Washington. Lose, loss. Uh, deep- L. 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 Yeah. L. L. So Chiefs, definite L, in my opinion, because the Chiefs are, you know, I'm just looking at that play with, their de- with the Chiefs defense. Uh, then they have the Falcons. And they have the Eagles, and they finish off that six-week period at Chargers. So they got, yeah. they got two games, as you would think, that are definite uh, winnable games. And then they got maybe the Redskins game. I'm just being facetious. That's I know you are. A, that's why I'm that's like. Always, that's always a, a you know, high emotion, anything can happen game. So I'm just being petty with that. So that's a possible game that they can win. And then uh, you said Falcons and. So 49ers, the Washington Kansas City, Atlanta, okay, so the Falcons Eagles. Falcons Kansas City would definitely be losses. And maybe the Eagles would be a loss, too. I don't know. And then they finish that off with the Chargers. Yeah, so they could probably go two and four, maybe. Um, With the way this team is playing? I, I would say two I, and four is a best-case scenario. Yeah, that's about uh, I, right. I'm, 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 because, number one, uh, they don't have the defense to stop either Kansas City or Atlanta. Um, and that was before they decided to cut Nolan Carroll. So, uh, they and let's 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 look at uh, what um, you know. Green Bay Green Bay had a rookie running back run for uh, 120 yards and a t- and a touchdown. And by the way, Dallas allowed last year. Dallas allowed no hundred yard rushers. So um, we're, they're just not good defensively. You're not at good all. at all. Mm-mm. And then that offensive line, which we have grown so accustomed to see playing well or not on par with what we're usually seeing. So, like Tyler said, two and four is the best case scenario, but I wouldn't be surprised if there were zero and six these next six one, weeks. One thing about the offensive line, um, it's not as as quote unquote bad. It's not bad. It's just not as dominant as before because Ezekiel right. isn't exploding through through the hole. There are less holes. I'll give them that. And Zeke is not as as dominant at turning those five and six yard gains into thirty yard. 30-yard burst. Ezekiel's still fourth in the league in rushing. Let's not let's not say it's gloom and doom. And Zach is still getting getting decent protection. But it's not the same as before uh, last year because they were just that much better than everybody else. And I think Zeke did a lot of stuff on his own 
once he got away from the line. And plus, and we also looked at that um, the running back core they have after him. So we have, I think Alfred Morris would be running back too. No. Yes. Yeah. Then Morris. we're looking at Darren McFadden. Yeah, you got Morris and McFadden. Um, you know, McFadden showed in the preseason that he can still uh, he can still be a part of the offense, particularly um, particularly out of the backfield. Uh, you know, catching passes. Uh, you know, he still got he still got a burst left. So I don't think the offense can keep up. My problem is they're going to have to score at least seven to ten more points and finish more drives because they're going to be facing defenses that that can put the ball can clearly have proven that they can put the ball in the end zone. And right. I don't count out the Chargers either because. You know, Phillip Rivers is still going to sling the ball all over the field. And as we found out from the Rams, as long as you've got balance and weapons, you can score on the Cowboys. Right. So, yeah, right. two, or four, two or four is best-case scenario. Okay. Well, I was giving them the benefit of the doubt. But, well, if they do go on six, that's good for the chances for the football team that I root for. So, we're going to move on to the Kansas City Chiefs, the most impressive team, most explosive team in the NFL, 5-0. and they went down to Houston, uh, put up a lot of points. Deshaun Watson actually, you know, opened a lot of eyes again. Second straight game where he, you know, balled out, got Houston, you know, in the 30s on the point total. The Kansas City Chiefs were saying that they were going to be more explosive this year, take the ball down the field. A lot of teams say that every year in training camp, you know, we're going to be more aggressive on defense. Oh, man, we're going to be more explosive on offense. We're going to take more shots. It never really develops once the season plays out. That's not been the case in Kansas City. As Alex Smith has been just racking up long touchdown passes, long runs by Kareem Hunt. Uh, special teams got in the mix this week. Tariq Hill, you know, running one back. So, Jesse, the most exciting team in the NFL are the Kansas City Chiefs. Who would have thought it? Well, that's what happens when your quarterback is playing for money. Um, his contract is due to end at the end of the season. I think before the season starts, they're, talk, they're floating up whispers, at least from what I understand about, like, trades or, you know, not renewing. So, then he's like, huh, I don't have to just check the ball down every so often. I have to throw the ball, too. And that's what he's done. And that's, why, and that's part of um, Kansas City's success the last five or so, five weeks throughout the season. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I thought sure. that Alex Smith, well, I was just saying in agreement. Excuse me. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was just thinking in agreement that I heard that in the preseason and they were like, um, you know, we're going to draft Mahomes and, you know, he's got a big arm and, you know, he can run around. He's really wild. He's kind of like, you know, Brett Favre, quote unquote, when he was, you know, coming out of college. We can calm him down, but we can't teach him how to throw 70 yards doing everything mechanically wrong like he can do it. But that seems to have inspired Alex Smith. And now he's showing them like, hey. You know, I got these little fast guys. If I can throw it 30 yards right in their hands where they can just keep running, you know, they can go the other 40 and I can do just as good as he can. So um, it's been fun to watch. They've got more of a college style offense than most teams have in the NFL right now with a lot of trickeration and movements and sleight of hand and sleight of eye. So they've been really fun to watch. Um, now, Tyler, Kareem Hunt, it's come out of nowhere. Um, you know, now they're starting to incorporate their second running back. Because, you know, what makes it harder to contain if you're running all these different crazy formations is if you got more people to, you know, put in the mix. So last night, uh, last week, they displayed more of a, you know, combo running attack. Uh, just talk about the shakeup of Andy Reid's offense and how he's expanding on, upon the, you know, quote unquote, college style offense in the NFL. 
Well, Trakendrick West has been a fantasy stud the last three seasons because because he is extremely versatile. Um, he catches a lot of passes out of the backfield, uh, and he tends to score, uh, particularly around uh, around the red zone. Uh, he's been really effective, especially on the outside, especially calling screens. Uh, Hunt Hunt's been amazing. Um, Hunt Hunt doesn't need necessarily the big crack to. Uh, to get to get in the, to to explode for big yardage, um, he's getting a lot of great blocking from from the Chiefs, which has been uh, honestly remarkable. Considering uh, you know they've come in, they're rather pedestrian uh, offensive lineman name wise. I mean, yeah, they do have a number one pick in Fisher, uh, but overall, do we just they just don't scare anybody? But uh, but yeah, this. Uh, when you have a two-back scheme, a guy who can, who's effective um, as far as catching the ball, and, and Hunt's done well as far when they decide to use him as a receiver too. So that just expands the playbook. And Andy Reid right now is just playing pitch and catch. And here's the thing that gets me about Kansas City. They're doing it with not without a perceived big target outside threat other than their tight end, Travis Kelsey. They're not throwing the ball necessarily on the perimeter, uh, unless you know he, unless Tariq gets gets wide open. Um, you, they use they use a lot of middle screens. They use a lot of bubble screens. They use a lot of uh, they use a lot of the in route, a lot of in routes, and they create the mismatches that they want to go to. Uh, and it's it's fun to watch. Well, you know, I think Andy Reid's always had the reputation or everybody the perceived reputation that if he could call a game where he didn't have to call a run and play, he'd probably be all game for that. So um, it's, it's, it's um, not a surprise that, you know, he would be the, a fan of a lot of bubble screens and middle screens to kind of substitute for his running game, but maybe use his running backs as the players to catch those passes. So it's another way that they get their hands on the ball and, you know, things become more like a punt return than actual running play. And, you know, they have to deal with less defenders and they can get bigger plays if somebody misses a tackle, which is really smart. So we're going to transition to one more element in that game. That was the team on the other side. Um, We're going to talk about first the Michael Jordan of the NFL as Debo Sweeney said he could possibly be Mr. Deshaun Watson. Um, He's electrifying, and he put it on display uh, Sunday night in front of a good audience to watch that game, I'm sure. Um, I thought that, you know, he showed good in a second game. He's played, you know, against Bill Belichick, and he's played against, um, you know, Kansas City, Bob Sutton, and these two, you know, old wise uh, defensive minds. And, you know, he's put up 30-plus against them with, you know, not a lot of help from his defense. So I think the future's bright for the young man. I don't understand uh, – what the scouts didn't see, uh, me and the NFL chick from the Gridiron Gals were talking on Twitter this week. Like, um, you know, he did, you know, go toe-to-toe with Alabama twice. And if there's any college team that's close to an NFL defense with NFL players and speed and all the stuff that you would, you know, replicate in the NFL, it would be Alabama. And, you know, he beat them once and was on the edge of beating them the first time. So just talk about what you think and saw from Deshaun Watson. I thought he is, you know, counted himself well for two starts and who's played against Jesse. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Repeat the no. question again. Sorry. Oh, just your thoughts on Deshaun Watson. I know you don't think he's, you, you had something to, you breathe under really hard. when I No, I, 
No, that was because Dabo Swinney is somebody that everybody should be signing at once in a while because he says something stupid or... You, you need somebody every once in a while who loves you like Dabo Swinney loves to show Watson. I know, but just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, MLK under any yeah. circumstances under some black guy you think is a really nice person. It's just not the way to do it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but um, Deshaun Watson, really pro- like, you know, really promising, really great rookie season he's having so far. Um... Yeah, I don't. I mean, I like how he's just not afraid to just throw it long or throw it like it's just not. It's, I appreciate playmakers like him and in that same vein, Carson Wentz, who are not afraid to you know scramble around the field or is not afraid of like third and long because with that, it's just more exciting play, which we've seen out of Houston. So. Yeah, I think they've been a lot more exciting the last two weeks to watch. Uh, Bill O'Brien actually looking like he knows what he's doing was a quarterback for once. Um, you know, he's had the reputation that he was good working with quarterbacks and it kind of has not developed. He's kind of ran through a bunch of them. But maybe with this, you know, Deshaun Watson, he'll have enough creativity and he can execute what he really wants to do. Speaking of Carson Wentz, the Eagles came down to Charlotte. They moved to 5-1. and one. Uh, it's a little rough start, but they persevered. Luke Keekley maybe suffered a concussion. Looks like it possibly was a concussion. And uh, the Panthers, you know, softened up the middle, allowed the Eagles running game to kind of take over and shorten the game. And Carson Wentz, again, making plays in big spots, like Jesse said, on third down. He's the most dangerous man on third down, it seems like. Uh, and they held off the Panthers 28-23. Cam Newton, late interception, uh, looked like he was going to make a comeback, but not to be. So we'll start with Tyler this time. Tyler, thoughts on Cam Newton and the uh, Carolina Panthers? Looks like they're struggling with Jonathan Stewart, and they're you know making a real conscious effort to try to get uh, McCaffrey his touches. And looks like the receiving core is trying to come through for Cam, but uh, you know you can tell maybe in this game more than any other he might be missing Olsen. And uh, they got to try to, you know, really work on the tight end and get that consistency going. You're exactly right. Uh, you know, Ed Dixon was coming off a career game last week against the Patriots. Uh, five catches for 157 yards. Uh, two, the two longest receptions of the year. Uh, and uh, Philly, with its solid secondary and linebacking core, made a conservative effort to keep guys in front of them. Uh, they went to a two they went to a moderate two deep zone which kind of took the big play away from cam um he was able to find some targets in the middle but when philly uh stepped up their pressure they brought they were bringing sometimes six and seven guys and you know cam tends to rush his throws when he sees a big pass rush so that kind of neutralized the big playability of funches and benjamin uh also Philly is able to play up on the line of scrimmage, and they essentially shut down Jonathan Stewart. Uh, Stewart had no room at all. Literally, it took until the fourth quarter for him to get to have a run of a positive yard. It was it was it was rough. I mean, every time he got the ball, it wasn't two or three guys that he was trying to fend off. It was about six or seven. The whole defensive line would make tackles. Uh, McCaffrey, you know. A lot of teams have keyed on him. Uh, you know, he was able to get outside for uh, for a touchdown off a goal line play, brilliant play call. But overall, he has not been the super explosive, uh, you know, get outside and make a play 
You know, he leads the team in reception, so the touches aren't a problem. It's just that he has not been able to be the make a guy miss and extend plays and get, you know, turn a three-yard out into a seven- to ten-yard gain. Just hasn't been – just those plays just haven't been there for him. Uh, you know, guys, guys have been able to corral him. Um, and Newton himself, I still think Newton's a little bit rattled as far as uh, – Throwing the football, it could be some issues with his shoulder again. Uh, as you know, he went, he has offseason shoulder surgery. Um, I just think that maybe uh, his accuracy beyond 20 yards leaves a lot to be desired still. Um, there was some questionable play calling uh, in the last two drives. Uh, they finally were able to get something going, and then they called three inexplicable long passes, uh, which led to a uh, you know, a fourth down and event, and of course, uh, a turnover on downs before Carolina was able to get the ball back. And then, you know, Cam throws a, a terrible interception off of a blitz pickup where the uh, receiver doesn't make the right read and Cam throws it up the seam instead of throwing it outside. So, uh, who knows? Um, I don't think Carolina is in that much trouble, even without Keekly, because, uh, because Mayo has filled this hole nicely. He's played a bunch because of um, Keekley's previous concussions. So I think defensively they're okay. I just think that they allowed a few more big plays, particularly on some critical third downs. Uh, Wentz was able to find rookie uh, rookie uh, Hollins from North Carolina on two big third down plays, including one that set up the potential game winning I mean the be uh the eventual game winning touchdown on a third and eight on a third and fifteen. Um so that may be another new target for Philadelphia. So uh you know we'll wait and see. But I think Carolina will be okay. All right. So we're gonna talk about you know moving into week six really fast before we move on from the NFL. Uh, really the story of this week is gonna be the injury report and how many big name guys are on it. Um, unfortunately, we had Odell Beckham and Brandon Marshall and basically the whole Giants uh, wide receiving core is out. J.J. Watt, of course, Delvin Cook, uh, you know, uh, Hody Nada was hurt, and I didn't even know that. And they're all on injured reserve. So just a rough week as far as we go for the uh, injury front. So next we're going to move on to the games as we're going to see jesse we're going to talk about your team first as you guys are going against the bears trubisky is getting his second start as a starting quarterback of the chicago bears um what type of faith are you having that you guys can get it together on offense and uh you know piece things back together on defense and come back strong well on defense i you know i let them do what they do because they are pretty damn good on defense now on offense however I, I haven't really seen much of Chicago's um, defense, so I can't really say. But just historically, seeing how they, I mean, seeing how they play, I'm not as. I mean, I'm not gonna be like, oh yeah, we'll definitely win that. But I have at least a hint of faith. Um, seeing depending on how Chicago's defense plays, if they play a really good game, and be like, oh, um, I don't know how this is gonna go because uh, we have you no, know, we have some. Uh, Terrence West is injured. Um, Rashad Perriman doesn't have hands. Mike Wallace, it depends on the day. So I'm just, I, I'll, I'll be biting my nails. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, Chicago has a really good running game, and uh, their receivers are, are 50-50, kind of like Mike Wallace. 
Um, so, you know, if you guys have a hard time stopping the run and they can get a couple of play action play passes, big plays, they have to stop Miller. He's probably their most reliable target, it seems, with Trubisky in there who can actually move around and, you know, get the ball to him. And, so, and now I'm a little bit concerned because our run defense <laughs> is – pass defense, fine. Run defense, not so much. Okay, yeah, so might be a concern there. Uh, my team, the Washington football team, getting a visit from the San Francisco 49ers. Um, San Francisco just released Navarro Bowman, longtime standout star. Um, you know, injuries and age are starting to take a toll on them. Uh, they feel he's lost a step. They thought they had a trade worked out for him. Uh, did not seem like it. Maybe they're trying to at least make it seem like Navarro Bowman wasn't happy with the trade. And so they uh, released him right here a couple of days before the game. So uh, hopefully the Washington football team, very quiet around the team, a few injuries uh, to some you know key guys. Josh Norman will be out with some rib injuries. Uh, Trent Williams, uh, all-pro left tackle, is questionable with a you know, little knee problem. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. Hopefully it should be a, a game that we don't keep exciting for too long, put a lot of pressure on Hoyer, and, and maybe let Garcon catch it touchdowns just for fantasy purposes for my team and will be a win-win in all circumstances. You know, I'm, I'm surprised they haven't asked Kirk, Kirk Cousins some more questions about the 49ers. You know. Well, there was this uh, thing going on that we'll talk about next on Know the Score that you can find on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Because in the District of Columbia, there was a baseball series going on between America's lovable losers, but as far as last year was concerned, America's lovable World Series winners, the Chicago Cubs and the Washington Nationals. First ephemer of who can fly the W because, you know, you guys have the curly QW on the on the hats for the national fans. And then, you know, when the Cubs win, they say fly the W because they raised the flag when they win at uh, Wrigley Field. So this was all types of exciting. Game five, um, the Nats jump out. And then the managing part of the baseball game happened, and Joe Madden, again, beat Dusty Baker at just how you use your players and who you can tell who's hot and who's not. And the Cubs stormed all the way back, and they held on to win and defeat the uh, Nationals in their home ballpark. And the Nationals, again, have never won a playoff series. Uh, they've been the best team, I think, twice. They've been second-best team like three or four times. They've never gotten out of any round of the playoffs. So... Uh, you know, wild game, the game five, a lot of offense, um, just, you know, all types of pitching moves and strategies. So, Tyler, I know that we talked about this in the preview, and I said the only way that the Nationals might be able to lose is if Joe Madden just really does a number on Dusty Baker. And uh, Joe Madden stole two games. That's and, uh, that's, that's, and, that's, that's all that that's matters. In, in, yeah. in, a, in a matchup like that, that's, that's what happens. Um, I don't know if I mean I at this point um, I don't know what you what you can do as far as the Nationals are concerned as far as making it making a change um, you know it's always about who can you replace them with maybe it's a new voice maybe a new voice I don't know I don't know if if I mean Dusty get there's a lot of sentiment for I Dusty mean, Baker but they've already tried I the new voice know. with Dusty Baker though no yeah yeah that's what I mean. Um, it's just, it's just that, that Dusty. This, this, this has followed Dusty now. He's getting, he's been consistently outmanaged in the postseason. And I don't know if, if you're going to, I don't know if you're going to do any better right now. 
you got two more years for uh, what is it? One more year or two more years with Bryce Harper up as a free agent. So what, what do you do? Just just come back next year or or, or what? I mean, who knows? I, I'm 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 just at a loss for words because it just seems like this just continues to happen to the Nationals, and you feel like they they deserve a breakthrough for being. Uh, and, but you know they're the best team in a very weak division in the in, a, in the NL East. So I, I I'm just I just don't really know what um what they can do as management um you know they've had the best rotation they've had the best the best hitting they i mean they still have a ton of great hitting and the bats just disappeared at the worst as the most inopportune time they're Um, gonna have to make some tough decisions they're gonna have to uh, see if jason worth is you know he looks like maybe he's at the end um he didn't really have a good series at all they tried to you know slide him up and down the lineup they tried to find a spot mm -hmm. for him and uh, nothing seems to have worked out so you know, yeah, the Nationals are definitely going to have to take some hard looks. It just looks like Dusty Baker didn't have understanding strategy. Um, if you wanted to necessarily get Serger in the game, then he should have started pitching backwards by putting Rourke, who they, you know, didn't took a start away from, who was fresh, uh, put him in, let him be the long man, and then use Serger as maybe, you know, your closer and have your closer be your setup man. If that was the whole goal, if I, you know, this thing starts getting out of hand, I'm going to Scherzer. Well, you got the lead, so just, you know, wait off for Scherzer. But he didn't play it like that. And as you can see, Joe Madden, you know, when he got a chance to get Wade Davis in the game, he got him up and got him in there, and he held on. It was a little leaky there, but uh, he got it done. So, you know, congrats to the Cubs. And so now, you know, as we're recording this, the Cubs and the Dodgers will score off in their game one. Uh, as we record this last night, the Yankees. Went into Cleveland, went in and won on the road, upset the best team in all of baseball, and uh, it was a, a you know you know another unlikely source as little Didi as I call him because I had him on my fantasy team this year, Didi Gregorius. He hit two home runs to set the tone, got the lead out there. CC Sabathia gave him four good innings uh, that he could, and then all of a sudden uh, Joe went to the bullpen and uh, the Yankees bullpen actually outdoes the Indians bullpen and uh, they got one more home run from bird who seems to be, you know, budding into a superstar and the Yankees are advancing to play Houston. And that game took place last night. Uh, Altuve setting the tone here, doing what he does, manufacturing the run, getting the first run on the board. Dallas Keuchel, outstanding 10 plus strikeouts he had 11 over seven innings uh first pitcher since nolan ryan in 1986 by astros pitcher to have 10 strikeouts in the game and uh again greg bird provided the only run with the homer late in the game but he also maybe uh could have been the tying run as early in that game he got thrown out at home uh, by a gorgeous throw from left field by left fielder of the uh, astros so uh jesse American League Baseball, I know you're an Oriole fan, so you you know watch more of the American League. What are your thoughts on this American League Championship Series? First, talk about the I know the the, the Yankees. Um, actually, this Yankees as team is kind of likable. They have a bunch of you know new players that you don't really know. People aren't familiar with. They're not making a lot of money. They're kind of ahead of schedule. Let's talk about them a little bit. Um, what were your impressions of them just knocking out Cleveland? The Yankees are likable, really. I, I think that. this team is. I think I like. I like this team. I don't think they're. You know, I don't have a lot of guys I don't like on this team yet. Anyway, that's true. That's true. But bias. Um, <laughs> but like me, Yankees like. Mm. But um, yeah. As for the Yankees, we might just be 
not well, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna say like they're the worst team in the playoffs, but they're definitely not the best. And for them to knock off Cleveland as they did was interesting. Um, because you know we've seen how Cleveland went through that 22 game win streak, you know, be, smashing all kinds of records for most wins, um, consecutive wins in a season, and just to be knocked out like they did. Um, yeah, baseball is just weird and crazy like that. And so that's why now we have the Yankees in um, an American League Championship Series. And I don't, I don't really, yeah. I think like this, baseball fans may be like, eh, that's not really what we wanted because everybody wanted to see, of course, the Indians and the Astros, two best teams in the American League. Uh, most people think the two best teams in you know all of baseball go head-to-head for seven games and see who came out on top. But the TV executive people are like, yes. Oh, yeah, because the Yankees are national, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's like, oh, man, the people who sell beer and cars and all that stuff, man, they, they got a, definitely a, got a surprise. So um, it'll be interesting to see if the Yankees can bounce back um, against these two Cy Young pitchers. They've got Verlander going today against them, and that's going to be tough because he's been really good since he's moved to Houston. Uh, Aaron Judge is really struggling. Uh, they're pitching him very, you know, everything low in the strike zone, they're giving him one pitch to hit, and he's not hitting it. And then they're just working on with curveballs and change-ups just in the dirt and at his feet. So maybe he can get out of his slump. But like I said, Greg Bird, uh, youngest player to ever have three home runs in a postseason since, Mickey Mantle. So, you know, he looks like he's turning into a very good player. Tyler, we'll bring you in on – we'll let you get back into the National League Championship Series that starts off today between the Dodgers and the Cubs. we get a rematch from last year. Uh, Clayton Kershaw again coming in off an of injury. Not really his best. As the Dodgers did sweep uh, Arizona to, to move into this uh, position since the last time we spoke. Give me a little preview, Cubs and uh, Dodgers part two. Um, it all comes down to, uh, I believe, starting pitching. Um, I think that if you get a great effort from Quintana in game one, you go deep, you go, you try to avoid going deep into your bullpen, then the Cubs have a chance. Dodgers are going to be the favorite just because uh, they have better starting pitching. But I think the Cubs can win the series. They have to go. Uh, the Cubs are going to have to have to get some hits, of course. But I think it's the race to see who goes into the bullpen because I think the Cubs actually have an advantage there. Um, the key is going to be um, I'm going to love to see Kershaw and Quintana going up. Um, the Dodgers impressed me by handling Arizona the way they did uh, with no, um, with actually no issues after Arizona gave them all sorts of problems during the regular season, particularly over the last couple of months. Uh, I think that, uh, I think that Quintana will be, uh, will be very critical setting the, actually setting the tone. Dodgers have also announced their uh, rest of the rotation. You get Hill in game two, Darvish in game in uh, game three and Alex Wood in game four when they go back to Chicago. Um, I think that that's a, that's a powerful lineup, but I don't think it's, it's totally impenetrable. Uh, if they do that, the Cubs can string some hits together and play some old school National League baseball. Uh, they can stay in this series. All right. But it's going to take a Herculean effort from, from the uh, Cubs starting pitching. 
All right. So, you know, baseball is definitely heating up. They're getting close to the World Series. The championship series are always full of drama. It's always good to see the, the angst in the crowd that the later it gets. And, you know, guys start, uh, the relievers start putting the games on the line. And, you know, everything's such magnitude. And they're walking that tightrope trying to hold on to, a, you know, that one run lead with guy on third or second and big hitter coming up. So, so much fun the baseball playoffs are. So we're just going to let everybody know that this episode of Another Score is sponsored by Audible. And you can get a free trial on Audible by going to audible.com. You can do that by going to www.audibletrial.com slash another score. You can get a free download and also a 30-day free trial to try any of the 150,000 titles that they have available. You can get that on Kindle, MP3, iPhones, and any other way that you can download through their app as well. So please support the sponsor, support Know the Score, and support CSPN by getting a free trial through Audible. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com forward slash Know the Score. Get your free download. Check it out. Next, we're going to talk about the NBA. It's coming back. They've got the long-awaited offseason is over with. The preseason is done. We had their last preseason games. And so now the season is going to start on Tuesday night. And we're going to have, you know, the I guess what they would deem the final four, if you could have a preview of the uh, NBA season to start out with. This would be the games that they would probably say would be your conference finals. As we're going to have the Boston Celtics traveling into Cleveland. Of course, we have the drama between Kyrie and LeBron on that game to make it all juicy and exciting. And then we have the Warriors getting their big rings again. Kevin Durant's first as they face the Houston Rockets, where they have, you know, Chris Paul joining alliances and forces with James Harden to try to take down the mighty, mighty Warriors. Jesse, we know that you live for the drama. We know you live for the story. Which game is the most exciting and most intriguing to you? Easy. Boston versus Cleveland. I mean, just for, you know, the, the Jedi mind tricks that Kyrie will give you before the game, just for the, you know, passive aggressiveness that LeBron will give you, and then just to see that there's no change in the order in the Eastern Conference. So, that's really it. Um, sure, there's others, but... Um, let's talk about your um, local team which is the Washington Wizards. How do you feel about their upcoming season? Um, getting another year under Scotty Brooks. Uh, maybe they'll have a better, you know, uh, start out of the gate this year, a little bit more confidence in Brad Beal as he came on towards the end of the season. John Wall seems to have taken a step, matured. Um, are you feeling good that you guys can maybe be a top three team this year in the Eastern Conference? I don't think so. Um, maybe. I don't – that team runs so hot and cold that – I can never just say, like, oh, they'll improve upon them next year because what we saw in free agency, they didn't really improve. So I'm, I can at least say with confidence another 40-win season, but if they will ascend to at least the top three in the East, I have my doubts. Okay. Now, Tyler, we'll ask you, which game do you feel is the most intriguing of the two? you still think it's Kyrie and, and uh, Boston going against LeBron and Cleveland? Or what about, you know, Durant now being a champion and having to defend that and you know the new the new kids on the block but Houston coming in and getting their first crack at the champs I'm actually going to take that one because um, I want to see 
which team has a learning curve uh, uh, as far as Houston goes. Uh, I'm not I'm not too concerned with with Oklahoma with uh, Golden State because they have literally an embarrassment of riches. I mean, how do you add Omar Caspi and Nick Young to the one of the best shooting teams ever assembled? I mean, both of those guys are upgrades from what you have, uh, on, particularly on offense. I mean, quick release, perimeter shooters with unlimited range, and, you know, Young actually, when he's interested, can play some defense. So I, I'm not concerned about uh, Golden State, especially uh, only when I want to watch uh, good basketball. So the interesting factor is Houston. Where are they going to fit Ryan Anderson in all of this? Uh, he's going to stand out for three. He's going to stand out on the perimeter, but he's going to get abused on the defensive side of the ball. So even though you upgraded defensively with with uh, Chris Paul over uh, even over um, Patrick Beverly, Houston remains a mystery to me because they. I just don't think they're going to get enough defensive stops to to be, um, you know, to be a factor when it comes to the last you know, the last two teams in the last two teams standing come playoff time, but it'll be a fun season. It'll be a lot of points scored. There's going to be a lot of plays made. And particularly if you like basketball uh, opening weekend, is going to be a lot of fun because you can get to see uh, all of these new teams and all these new transactions, how they're going to work. You still have San Antonio being uh, San Antonio. Kawhi Leonard is going to make a run at the MVP award just because, uh, he's going to have to do a little bit more, especially with Tony Parker out. Um, you're going to see a lot more playmaking, which I think is the thing that keeps him from the MVP race is that he's not seen as a playmaking type guy on offense. He steps his assist up to about five or six a game. Then yeah, he's a bona fide candidate. You don't count on Harden or uh, Russ to, uh, to go triple double every night. Not now. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this works. But I'll, right, be, I'll now, be looking for it. Now I'm going to post this question, and then we'll you know, kind of move on off the NBA really fast. Uh, who is going to be the surprise team? I know everybody is in love with the Milwaukee Bucks. So besides the Bucks, you know, name a couple of teams that you you know maybe have your eye on, thinking you know if things go right, maybe they could be a surprise or get in the playoffs. And some people didn't think that that was possible at the beginning of the season. So Jesse, I'll begin with you. Who do you think uh, could be a surprise team? This is like a complete shot at, at a dartboard, but maybe the Timberwolves. Mm, okay. Possible. Jimmy Butler coming in. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I, I, yeah, it's the possibility of it, but I'll okay. go with that. Okay. Tyler, a uh, surprise team or two that you have on your list. Um, surprise team, as in not make the playoffs and into the playoff hunt, will probably be the. I mean, and I think the T Wolves are a little bit more obvious than most. But I just want to see what the Lakers do. I want to see. I want to see a fifteen to twenty game improvement from the Lakers. We'll probably get ten to twelve, but I, you know, for the obvious reasons, Lonzo Ball. They have a real point guard. Who's a past first point guard? Um, they've got they've got a couple of shooters. Um, I'm looking at this from a basketball sense, not necessarily from a hype sense. I want to see what the Lakers will do, um, particularly since they can they start off really well as far as scheduling wise. So uh, 
I, I would like to see them win 40 to 40, 42 games and maybe finish just outside the playoff hunt. But they're going to be – I mean, of course, we're going to see a lot of Laker games just because of, of Lonzo Ball. But I'd love to see them improve on the court just because of the interest factor. Right, right. I think maybe not a surprise team, but a team that'll be fun to watch if you can stay up late be the Phoenix Suns. They seem to, you know, kind of figure some things out towards the end of the season. I think a lot of there'll be a lot of surprise teams coming up in the West. I think, um, you know, Denver may be a team with now with Paul Millsap out there, veteran to go with all their kids that they've got. They may be able to, to you know, surprise some teams and surprise some folks and, you know, be on, nipping at the edge. And one more team, Tyler may finally all come together, Charlotte Hornets. They can stay healthy for once. They need to get some some better training staff in there to keep those boys from getting injured because if uh, MKG can play most of the season, they actually might have a person who can make some, you know, stop on defense and score just enough to get them over the top in all the close games they seem to always lose. Let's, let's add to the one thing. When you add Dwight Howard to a healthy Tyler Zeller, crazy stat. Shout out to Zach Lowe for this. There have been only uh, eight teams in the NBA to rebound more than 75% of opponent misses. All eight of those teams have played in the last three seasons, including the Hornets twice. The Hornets may actually rebound up to 85% of opponents misses with their lineup because they don't like the fact they don't necessarily like to get out in transition, but they actually concentrate and hit the glass. You play a, ten, a twin tower movement with Zeller at the four and Dwight at the five, or even play play five minutes with Zeller, uh, they're going to be a, a tough out because they're going to be hard to score on. Yeah, so, you know, a little bit of uh, NBA preview. You know, uh, next week we'll have a few games under our belt so we can kind of see – um, you know, what the landscape is early in the season. Uh, hopefully LeBron plays. You know, there's been some noise that maybe this ankle injury may be, you know, um, a little bit more serious than they're playing it up to be. Or it just may be LeBron sandbagging, getting the drama up. Jesse, what you think? I would love I would love that so much. But, and, hey, that's – I like I said, I like Sean Freud in my sport, sports, so – you know, he's he, he does a wrestling thing. He oh it doesn't look like he's gonna play on Monday and then all of a sudden, you know, it's up a game time decision and, and it's you know, touch and go and then he goes out there and scores seventy two and you know, on a bad ankle and then you have like, you know, legend forever type status. <laughs> so you know, the theater of the mind is sometimes greater than the theater in the show. So that could be an example. So we're going to turn into the theater of fantasy football. Just got to give a shout out to No Goodell Show Prosper. T is definitely prospering right now. Five and zero, you know, best team in the league by far. He's got 515 points scored already. Um, just you know, so far, the, you know, cream of the crop. But he's followed closely by Tim Dog. He's got four and one record, 466 points scored. Um, top five is Tyler coming in third. He's three and two, 430 points scored. The B Max slaps, Mr. Don Victor. What's going on, Don Victor from the WrestleCast? He's at three and two, and I come in myself at three and two, slightly ahead of Granddaddy's Dogs and Jesse, who are also three and two, because I just have a few more points than they do, scored by my fantasy football team. So uh, the playoff race is, you know, starting to get real serious as we're moving into weeks six, seven, eight, nine, kind of the weeks that really matter when your team starts figuring out. 
who's good and who's not and who's playing so far. So Jesse, who are you, uh, you know, feeling on your team and who aren't you feeling on your team that you're thinking about maybe getting rid of and saying, ah, I'm done with him. Do that again. I hope I changed my lineup since the oh, Beckham's injury. Um, I've never done well on the running back position. That's just never a place where I've drafted well. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll scramble for uh, a running. Uh, a, I mean, a running back when I have to. Um, as for running back, as for wide receivers, I haven't really checked who's on the waiver wire yet. But if I could find someone, or maybe two, because I think I'm I'm making some moves in my bench and on my um, starting wide receiver that could kind of make up for that production, I'll be happy as well. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are in that scramble mm-hmm. mode this week. Um, by losing Odell Beckham, a lot of people's number one choices in their fantasy league. And uh, like you're saying, it may take two um, <laughs> two receivers to, you know, kind of make up for the production you expected from him. Uh, Tyler, you know, you're sitting at third. And so, you know, in theory, you should be pretty happy with your team. But in reality, is there some things that you're, you know, concerned about position or player that you thought you would be getting more from that just hasn't panned out? I was I was devastated. Um, to be honest, my running back took a huge hit with uh, Dalvin Cook uh, hitting injured reserve this week. That was one of the injuries we didn't we didn't talk about. But Cook Cook was having an outstanding season. He was uh, he was going to challenge for the for the uh, NFC Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, him going down kind of kind of puts a dent on me trying to catch uh, Tim and and Derek. Uh, but I do have the number one receiver, his teammate Stefan Diggs. I do have the number one rated quarterback in Matt Ryan. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's coming in at number four over receivers for me. So uh, also I have Jacksonville's defense, which has done very, very well for me. Uh, don't let their ranking fool, fool you. They score a lot of points because they can take the ball away and they know what to do with it. I mean, they've scored, they've scored uh, quite a few defensive touchdowns, including two last week against uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, what I am looking to do uh, this week, I went down and grabbed a couple of uh, couple of pieces. Um, I'm looking to replace Cook with uh, – I was able to snag uh, uh, Green Bay's new running back, and I also was able to um, – I was able to look for another, um, another piece, uh, McGuire from the Jets. That's who I. Uh, that's who I grabbed um, this week. Diggs is going to be. Diggs has been ruled out, so I'm going to have to start Larry Fitzgerald. So that's going to hurt me a little bit. I may even have to use. Uh, I may have to use Ted Ginn in the uh, in my flex position. Um, well, actually, I, I used uh, Benjamin. So so I got I got some decisions to make over the next uh, hour or two before I set my lineup. Uh, Jonathan Stewart was terrible this week. But I still think I have a good, I have a pretty good matchup going up against, uh, going up against uh, Roll Up a Blount. So we'll wait and see. Yeah, of course. I think everybody is, uh, you know, getting ready to find out just how good their fantasy team is in the next uh, few weeks because the injuries are starting to, you know, hit teams and they're going to have to scramble and start to rely on some people that they really didn't think that they would have to. Like Tom Montgomery being out kind of been hamstringing me. Uh, Howard has been fantastic. Pierre Garçon, really good. Sterling Shepard, I was hoping I could, you know, get him going, uh, but now he's out. He's hurt, of course, with the ankle injury. Uh, Joe Mixon has been a little bit disappointing, 
for my team. Thought he'd be a little bit more explosive, uh, you know, almost five, six games into the season. Uh, Greg Zerline, he's the best. You can always count on him for long field goals. And uh, my bench, not really anything outstanding. I've got, you know, two high-level quarterbacks on the bench just in case anybody wants to make a trade, needs a quarterback, put that out there. So, you know, so I think we're actually a team on the come up. We started a little slow, got behind in a couple of games, and uh, now we've kind of been on a little winning streak. So I feel good about how I'm looking. So watch out for they don't want none. So at this point, we'll transition to the end of the show. Jesse, I'll let you go first. Just, you know, some things that we didn't cover or something that, you know, you'd like to talk about, um, you know, that we normally don't get a chance to here on another score. Sure. So this week for me is going to be um... – for the first time since 1986, U.S. national, U.S. men's national team, not the U.S. team, um, the U.S. men's national team are not going on a trip to Russia this summer for the World Cup. Um, I think a lot of us in the, well, a lot of folks who are, you know, in the development, in the youth development world or um, just watched has kind of seen this potentially coming ahead since the last World Cup just because... We're relying on a lot of old players. They're relying on not very good players, and there's a lot of nostalgia going on. And it, you know, you can blame the coach, you can blame the players, fine. But it's off the root of it all is really the lack of development that's been going on in the youth levels. Um, some of the selective investment, I'll call it, of the of um, youth talent because there is talent, but you know, just not being developed or not, you know, how is the U.S. the only pay-to-play league? When probably the only pay-to-play league in the in the world where so it's usually a poor man's sport, and so if I think the the uh, for the U.S. men they might take this World Cup probably the next one too, um, put more resources into developing, especially in areas um, you know lots of people of color that don't get. I mean, I was one of those kids who parents couldn't afford to you know travel and buy buy you know equipment. So there's an opportunity, but are they willing to take it? And that's my time. All right. All right. Very interesting to watch. Very interesting to watch. Tyler, your final thoughts? Um, I'm going to take this up to a, a small school in uh, Bowie, Maryland. Uh, Bowie State Bulldogs. Uh, they are a HBCU. Uh, they're one of the top teams in Division II with a currently 6-0 with a uh, with a spread offense, averaging very close to fifty points a game, uh, led by a quarterback Amir Hall. But the real story is a receiver, uh, a receiver there named uh, named Lisana Cisse. Uh, he's a native of Sierra Leone. Obviously, that's that's the uh, um, you know Kanye West made a made a two famous songs, uh, "Diamonds from Sierra Leone," and of course a remix with Jay Z. Uh, he did where they both discussed the trade of blood diamonds. Uh, you know, it's a war torn country. Uh, you know, 50,000 people were killed in the revolution to overthrow the current government. Uh, Cisse was able to escape into Guinea and eventually uh, left the country to go to San Jose, California. Um, eventually, uh, Cisse went to live with his grandmother in Bowie and ended up being a local uh, Bowie High School product, outstanding track athlete, uh, national champion in the 4x4 and the New Balance Championships, 
and he also was uh, he led, led Prince George's County in receiving yards, and eventually, uh, you know, didn't have the grades to go to Division One, but he actually went to NAIA school, Avila University in Kansas, and you know, eventually, uh, eventually transferred, but you know. Academically, it was a little little tough for him, so he eventually transferred back home and ended up at Bowie. And, of course, um, he watched as Bowie won his second consecutive uh, CIAA North title, and now he is the star as uh, he's averaging well over 24 yards a catch, ranking fifth in the country in Division II. Uh, a lot of big plays, a lot of home runs. Uh very, very exciting football. Very exciting kid. He's he has 530 yards of only 22 receptions. That's that's massive. Um, so Bowie is fun to watch. They're probably the, the second best black college team behind my Aggies when you compare it all across the board, Division One and Division Two. So uh, you know, if you ever get a chance and you're in the area, you know, go see Bowie State because you will see plenty of good football. And that's it. Um, also, check out his story on HBCUGameDay.com. Shout out to one of our former guests, uh, the site creator, Stephen Gaither. All right. Thank you, Tyler. My final thoughts will be free at last. UNC, no sanctions, nothing court, inclusive. Can't charge them with anything. Can't prove or even have jurisdiction to say that it was anything beneficial to the players, as this was a course that was open to all students. Anyone could. So the NCAA was outside of their jurisdiction, as they ruled, and basically minor sanctions were given to people outside of any the athletic programs. So seven years, lots of money, lots of negative recruiting will all be pushed to the side. And UNC will be able to say in the end that, hey, we, did, we didn't do anything wrong by the bylaws and guidelines of the NCAA and public perception, whatever it may be. They said that we were clean, so we're clean, and everything's staying the same like it always has. And those that don't like it, NC State fans, have a nice day. So for that note, I'm Don DeLorente for my co-host That's So Jesse on Twitter Jesse and TA Ball 1 on Twitter Tyler Ball Now you know the score